2: and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me, with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today we have a very, very special episode and I am joined in the studio today with the absolutely incredible Debbie Frank. Debbie is a world-renowned astrologer who was personal astrologer to the late Princess Diana. She is also a life healer with intuitive astrology and a shamanic homeopath and teacher. She has written numerous books, including Written in the Stars and her latest book, what's your soul sign i was lucky enough to have a reading with debbie when i was pregnant with wolf and i was completely blown away in fact she actually predicted the exact day that wolf would be born today we're going to s- discuss the difference between horoscopes and star signs how we can use astrology in our own self-development journeys mercury retrograde and what is a saturn return i am so excited to be sitting down with debbie Hi. oh roxy it's so lovely to see you again <gasps> oh Oh my god I'm literally buzzing I feel like my energy just completely shifts when I'm around um, you I'm so, so happy, happy. All the stars come out it really <laughs> does how are you you've just released your new book yes. and we were just saying you've been crazy with that right crazy
1: with that I mean Hay House are fabulous with their publicity so um it's a good in a good way I'm super busy promoting what's your soul sign and I'm really enjoying it because it's here in the UK plus in the US so I'm getting two bites at the Cherry and lots of different audience and what I love about astrology of course is it appeals to everyone globally mm. and all age groups that's what's so fantastic but particularly millennials and even Gen Z yeah. they're just so into it they're all over it so it's fantastic.
2: Absolutely so let's start with what is the difference between a horoscope and a star sign because mm. sometimes when you say astrology people automatically think of daily horoscopes but for me What I'm really interested in is our kind of personality types, how we connect with other star signs, because I really believe in that, Um, you know. And so, yeah. So what is the difference? Well, it's very interesting that, you know, horoscopes,
1: in fact, get... Perhaps the the a bad rap in a way because people say, well, "How can one twelfth of the population all have the same thing happening?" Mm. Right, but I think that these horoscopes, whether they're daily, weekly, or monthly, they kind of capture um, a sort of vibe on the street, as it were. Mm. And it's a bit like a weather forecast. So it's a bit like generally the astrological weather is like mm. this. But obviously, uh, when you have your own chart done, and I've brought your chart along again, Roxy, you know, you get all the positions of all the planets that's when it's made up for your time of birth your place of birth and then you get your rising sign you get all this very important information which you can discover through my book what's your soul sign exactly what each position means so then you get a very detailed look about relationships relationship patterns you can even see you know what was going on in your childhood I think we discussed that once Roxy didn't yeah. we <laughs> and um, career paths your talents your gifts your challenges. Everybody has a celestial blueprint and it's like a celestial DNA. So understanding what that is and perhaps what your soul intended for you. Uh, mm. It's it's not so much that, you know, the universe um, is all fated and everything is predestined and pre-written in the stars. It's like, no, you co-created this. You decided in this lifetime, I would really love to experience, you know, more of a creative personality and soul development. Um, so we come in with a sort of frequency, if you like, or a predisposition that that's mm. what we're going to attract. But then we also do retain of course our free will so it's up to us we have the choice whether we want to stay stuck with certain challenges or whether we're going to work through them and you know i think it's super important to recognize that that we are here to grow and develop which again millennials and gen z really get that Mm. so perhaps less stuck than any other generation and i really feel that um you know just being able to know that we have co-created it's certain situations or relationships that they were meant to be because actually it's not that it's all fabulous but that we were meant to learn something from it yeah. and that if we keep on learning keep on with that attitude then as they say in India everything is perfect Right. Mm-hmm. We stop judging it and feeling hard done by. And we start to get more curious about our lives. Like, Why is this going on? Mm-hmm. What What am I attracting? And it, it really sort of syncs with the law of attraction because we are attracting via our frequencies that are revealed in the birth chart. But the horoscopes, I have been a media astrologer for many years. I've written for many publications. Currently, I'm writing for Hello magazine online every week. And obviously, I do a horoscope on my website, DebbieFrank.com. Um, And I think that it's it's great. And I read other people's horoscopes, too, because, you know, I like to see, you know, what's their take on it, what's going on. And, you know, this also gives us a steer on, you know, what's happening in terms of politics and, you know, um, things like COVID. I mean, for instance. I saw COVID coming, you know, in twenty sixteen when I was looking at my friend I'm like, What is that? I can no see way. lining up, you know, in early twenty twenty. What could you see? Well, you could see this very unusual lineup of Saturn, Pluto and Mercury, and it was so uncompromising. It was just so debilitating for the status quo. And I knew it was global. I knew it was very fear-based. So it's about, you see, astrology describes the emotional frequency or energy, perhaps, rather than the exact circumstances. So I'm like, is it going to be a war? Um, You know, what is it going to be that affects everyone? And it's going to totally alter the structure of our society on that level. And then, you know, obviously on an individual and personal level too. So um, I could see it, but funnily enough, well, it wasn't funny, but, you know, I was, um, every year I'm asked by the tabloids to do the royal predictions. So I was very busy and I was, and I actually predicted Megxit, right? So I was busy in January 2020. I'm like, yes, around Kate's birthday, there's an eclipse and there's going to be an announcement and, you know, Harry and Meghan are going to be a power couple in their own right. So I was quite distracted with that. Yeah. But I knew also um, that that was another kind of manifestation of the old status quo kind of crumbling because at the mm. time it was just kind of pre-COVID. It was kind of unthinkable that anybody would leave the royal family mm. like that. Um, um, so there's been so many uh, challenges to to the whole setup, and so it continues. Um, so this really is fascinating. And I think, you know, astrology is a very ancient system mm. of navigation and understanding. And, you know, everything is connected to it. It's not separated yeah. from us. It is, you know, part of us. It's what we live within. It's not just the stars up there. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. My jaw is like on the floor. <laughs> <Like it's> a- <laughs> Incredible. It's and, not. And, you know, <laughs> as, as someone who, you know, I'm very uh, um, um, manifesting is how I I sort yeah. of live and breathe through manifesting. Mm. And I think this is exactly aligned with that, this idea that you know I always my dad even used to say as, you know, when I was younger it's like uh, we're a radio there's a radio frequency and us as humans we kind of are in touch with one one frequency but there's so many others absolutely and I think astrology really is about that it's just this different energies and exactly and the thing
1: is that you know science which actually kind of you know threw astrology into the realm of nonsense because mm. it's not evidence based and it can't be proved or well, Interestingly, just as an aside, Mm. these French scientists in the 1970s, um, a married couple, the Gokulans, set out to once and for all disprove astrology. And they did this massive survey and they ended up proving astrology. It was so amazing (laughs) with their findings. They found that politicians, sportsmen, writers had particular significators in their In their charts. Wow. And so uh, that was a real aha moment, but that was way back then. But I think what's fascinating now is the quantum field because Mm. scientists are really at the cutting edge now of frequencies. I mean, they can take blood from somebody and take it to another location so it's in two locations at once and you can start to do something with the with the blood in the petri dish in one area and the blood miles away will also respond to what they're doing so they're starting to see the connections wow. that things don't have to be visible before your eyes in one place that frequencies exist oh that makes so, I mean, isn't it so interesting yeah it so fantastic with soulmates that's why we're connected because we are connected yeah um, and it's very interesting. I was just listening to this today. I mean, I haven't quite got my head around it, but on the news, I was listening to the fact that um, the NHS um, track and trace is beeping somebody who lives next door to someone else who's t- tested positive, and they're kind of thinking, "Oh, that's because they are physically next door." But I'm thinking, "Oh, well, maybe they're just living in the frequency of the COVID, mm, right?" Yeah.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it is. And we're just, you know, in this really exciting time. It's such a great time to be alive because, you know, there's so much discovery and sort of openness now that there wasn't before. And I love scientists like Dr. Joe Dispenza and people like that, Greg Braid. And, you know, because and and Dr. David Hamilton, who Mm. also writes for my publishing house, Hay House. And, you know, it's really all about these energies and how we can put these energies out. And then scientists can actually track and trace what's going on with you biologically so it's starting to really add up on a number of different levels this is astrology
2: i love this so we touched on the royal family just now and you uh were the personal astrologer of uh the late princess diana yes so how did
1: how did that come about well, it must have been written in the stars looking back on it. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of something that came into my life. I, It's not something you can apply for that job. You know, it's not yeah. something you can look for. Um, but through a client that I already had seen for a number of years, um, she was quite close to Diana and she felt that Diana was getting advice from other, shall we say, soothsayers or whatever, mm. that was really quite negative And she would prefer for Diana to meet somebody more around her own age. Uh, yes, I am that old. And, and, but at the time, I was quite young. And, um, uh, you know, kind of, I have a more gentle approach, which you know about Roxy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking at, you know, what we can learn from things. So we, we um, literally, uh, she was given my phone number, I still didn't believe she would ever phone me. And then one day, I'm just in my house and on the landline, this is pre-mobile phone days. In 1989, the phone rang and this voice said oh hello is that Debbie this is Diana here and um, I mean I was just like oh gosh yes hello you know and then we started chatting and we just chatted like you and I are chatting now mm. like sort of old friends and you know she really opened up to me um, about her marriage and you know obviously I hadn't really had a chance to look at the charts too much and we were looking purely at the sun signs at that point even the mm. sun signs were revealing quite a lot and then um, I offered to take take a much deeper look at everything. I said I would write it out for her, not presuming that I would meet her. Mm -hmm. And I did that and I sent it to her. Then she asked me to have lunch with her. And then things just really developed, which was beautiful and lovely. You know, we became super close and Mm -hmm. um, lasted right up until she very sadly passed away in 1997. So I was with her literally through all of the those years of, you know, the, the years leading up to the divorce, through the divorce and post the divorce mm-hmm. and saw this amazing transformation that took place. I mean, so the last time I saw her, which was at the end of July in 1997, just a month before she died, I had lunch with her at Kensington Palace and she looked incredible. She just looked completely radiant and mm-hmm. confident confident and she was so excited about everything to happen in her life but of course a lot of people ask me well you know what about seeing her death did you see mm. it but if you think about it I'm so relieved I can't see death because mm. I'd know when everybody was going to die and what a terrible yeah. thing that would be exactly. it would just be awful wouldn't it yeah so um we don't look for death um you know thank goodness it's not there in black and white we were discussing other things in her life obviously it was a challenging time. Um, We were looking at the eclipse, actually, the last time I saw her, that um, was in very early September, which turned out to be an eclipse that was hovering around the time of her death. And we were discussing in other ways what her hopes were for the future. And in a bizarre kind of way, I'm not going to reveal exactly why, Mm. but it kind of her wishes were fulfilled in a Mm. very strange roundabout way. It was very, very sad that she passed so young and nobody Mm. would want to leave their children Um, but you know Diana was somebody who was very unafraid of death Mm -hmm. something I really noticed about her because she worked so much with the dying she spent so much time with people Mm -hmm. in hospices she said she actually almost preferred being around people like this people with trauma or people who were dying because she said they were so real Mm. And they had nothing left to lose. And she really resonated with them. Um, and she always said to me, you know, Debbie, you can do so much more from up there than you can from down here. I'll oh, never forget that.
2: That's such a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, really it is. Oh, mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit now about something called Saturn Returns. Yes. And um, for anyone that doesn't know, and this is my, vi- actually, do you know, what? why don't you explain Tell us about what a sense of return is. <laughs>
1: well, you know, the planets in their courses as it's called, continue to move from the minute um, you're born, your birth chart is like a static thing that you have for life. And you know, literally within four minutes, the ascendant has started to move one degree. Obviously, the moon moves super quickly. So every two and a half days, it changes signs. And all of the planets move at different speeds and rates. And the slowest moving planet is Pluto, which actually takes two 248 years to go right the way through all of the science so obviously when that comes around to your chart it's pretty much a once in a lifetime experience so there are some things um, that happen and you know affect will just be affecting you but there are some things that are more generic like a Saturn return Saturn takes 29 years to move through the zodiac so we know that everybody when they're 29 when they're age 29 they're going to have their Saturn return and then you're going to have another one when you're 59 and if you're lucky another one when you're 89 and who knows with stem cell therapy we might be (laughs) having endless Saturn returns (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, the one the one at 29 is very interesting, you know, because it will mark the first time that Saturn has met and connected with every single other placement in your chart. It's gone around everything and returned. What that means is returned to the place where it was when you were born. And and actually, when we say at someone's birthday, many happy returns. Do you know why we say that? Because the sun has returned to where it was when you were oh born, which takes a year, obviously. Right. So that's what the return is, the return of the sun, but the Saturn wow. return is when the Saturn takes 29 years and has come back. So at 29, and I think we all realize this, that around that time, we're obviously on the threshold of 30. And there's something about entering that decade um, where people feel that they should be all grown up by then. They start to make very big decisions and often really important commitments and responsibilities are taken on, like having a baby, getting married, starting a business, um, you know, kind of really settling down in some way. Of course, some people settle down, in commas, much earlier than that. And so the Saturn return can test those decisions mm. and say, okay, is this really something you want to carry through into your adult life? Because the adult life astrologically is this middle period of 29 years, 29 to 59. So it can eliminate things that you no longer need to take with you into this period of your your thirties, your forties, your fifties, mm-hmm. and we let go. And so it can be a time when people separate um, or they leave a job and, and you know, it's like, actually, I, I, this isn't me. I, I really don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So we get a better sense of who we really are at the Saturn return. And Saturn is the planet of karma. So, you know, it's when the karma comes in, perhaps the soulmate comes in or, you know, something that really feels, um, it has that extra sense of destiny or fatefulness about it. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's a serious time. We're not just, we don't just flippantly, you know, kind of go into something at Saturn Return. It's always a very serious choice. So how, how did yours feel, Roxy? Oh
2: my gosh. Well, because I met you like we said first when i was pregnant with wolf That's i right. was 28 yeah and it was when i turned 29 that kind my whole life really Catapulted my career, yes. explode like. Well, yeah. oh, I didn't have a career, and then mm. at twenty nine, I discovered it and I carved it out. And yeah. my whole life and everything, my relationship to you know alcohol, drugs, smoking, yes, food, my body, stuff. everything. You mm. know, I'm I, I'm not. And you can't describe the person I am today, the person I was before. And it was exactly in line with my Saturn return. So I think it is magical.
1: Yes. Well, because you worked it. You see, this is the manifestation, Roxy. You know, mm. some people feel Saturn to be, you know, he's, some people fear Saturn. It's like, oh no. And now I've got to do something really serious. It's going to be terrible. Mm. It's really boring. Um, right. But if you are open to really working it mm. and really manifesting it, that that time, which you are the, mm. the absolute master manifestor or the mistress of manifestation, <laughs> should we say, um, then that Saturn return is so brilliant because it gives you the platform, which is what you created for yourself. Mm. Saturn created the opportunity and you went for it. So, yeah, I
2: love that. I think that's such a nice way of looking at it, that there is this kind of greater force that gives Mm. us these opportunities, this energetic power, I like to call it, which for me is just the universe. Yes. Um, And then we have to align our behavior and take the opportunities and Ultimately, shape the destiny?
1: Yes, because I think um, this sort of medieval idea that everything happens to us, you know, and we're mm. just little puppets down here being pulled on strings by the planets, um, is, is really very limiting, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I think it's incredible to actually get hold of this concept that every choice that we make, um, however small it is, can, you know, ripple out with the frequency into something quite major. And we always do have a choice. We think we don't, or we get ourselves stuck. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we can be in denial and pretend we don't have a choice, but actually we always do. It's just that, you know, we need to be brave enough to take a choice Mm -hmm. and to embrace and empower ourselves um, fully by recognising who we are and what's possible for us. And that, you know, we can, we can't change other people, of course, but
2: we can always
1: change ourselves. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. Oh God, I literally, you know, we talk about energy. I'm, I can feel my vibe. I'm just, <laughs> just so high right now talking
0: to you. I love it. Uh. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts. If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen.
2: Listen, oh, Listen make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. I, I will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both. <laughs> for the
0: more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for music in my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's go.
1: <laughs> I'm so let's glad go. no one can see me right now because I'm doing. I was doing some weird dance moves. <laughs> you had then,
0: yeah, Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on how are you? The well-being podcast.
2: i just became a lot more productive and happier Uh and for me like that's just worth it
0: the weekly roast music in my life and how are you just three more podcasts to feast your ears on find them wherever you found this podcast
2: So I want to talk now. We've just we talked a bit about Saturn return, and I think that's just such a great point. Is that it is about openness, and it is about people's willingness to want change. And I think you are right. There are there is definitely a fear around it of mm. people not wanting to grow grow up, and they yeah. don't want to be boring. They don't want yeah. to you know, yeah. do that. So I totally get that. <laughs> Now, I want to talk a little bit about Mercury retrograde because Uh we hear it a lot, especially, you know, you've mentioned the Gen Z and um, I mean, I see a meme about Mercury retrograde every day you know it <laughs> even always... though mercury isn't retrograde thank goodness every day <laughs> yeah. um so what
1: actually is it well it is actually an optical illusion it doesn't go backwards it's just mm. like um how i can describe it or explain it perhaps is if you've ever been in a train and you've got another train next to you and the other train starts moving and it makes you temporarily feel as if you're moving mm. it's like this it's a it's a kind of illusion that something is moving the mercury retrograde period which happens. Happens every year, three times mm. for approximately three and a half weeks. That's the absolute Mercury retrograde period. But then it has what we call the shadow um, approaching retrograde. Begins to slow right down, and then it stands absolutely still, and it pivots and it goes backwards. And on the other end of the Mercury retrograde, it stands still, pivots, and goes forwards. And it takes a while to pick up speed.
2: Isn't it mad so, to think of these planets doing that? I'm just I imagining know, but It's that. like no, a dance. Oh my, it's wow. like they're all dancing
1: in the heavens, right? <laughs> (laughs) Um, so I think what's fascinating about the day it pivots or we astrologers call it stations, it stations, go back to the train analogy. Oh, sorry about that ping. Um, um, is that the US election twice has been called on a station of Mercury retrograde. So we astrologers are like, oh no, here we go again. Why did you do that? (laughs) So um, the the time that it was George Bush and Al Gore, um, there there had to be this big recount in Florida and there was all of this chaos around the counting system. And then guess what? You know, Biden and Trump, they call, you know, it's called on that day. And so everyone's asking me, um, well, gosh, you know, that's going to be a clear cut victory. Well, actually, no because you know there's so much chaos around it and there it was it's still going on isn't it some people yeah. still dispute it so th- I think that's very interesting but what happens for all of us when Mercury goes retrograde again it can get a, a sense of a bad reputation or it's such a difficult period you know and yes there's a trickster associated with Mercury Mercury is a very interesting planet you know he he derives from Hermes who is the winged messenger of the gods and he Hermes uniquely was given like a VIP part, access all areas, right? So he could go down into the underworld. He could go up to the gods and Mount Olympus. He could go everywhere. And so Mercury kind of flies and darts around. He's associated with connection, communication, exchanges that we have to do with everything around our diaries, whether it's appointments, meetings, travel, um, texts and technology, um, face-to-face meetings and verbal communication. So when he goes retrograde, the trickster can play tricks on us. So basically, um, we don't get the text um, or we can't find the place or we're talking to someone and we can't really get through to them. We feel that we're misunderstood or we get the wrong end of the stick. Objects can go missing. Um, So, um, you know, like say if we're, I try not to buy clothes, for instance, on Mercury Retrograde because I find um, it's a nightmare. Everything comes in the wrong size and, you know, it's the delivery. (gasps) is, you know, it's all of that. And I can feel it before because when I'm driving around town, I can feel, you know, pedestrians start stepping out in the street all the time and the traffic is mad. And then all the road work seemed to happen. And then, you know, on trains, delayed Mm. planes, obviously. So... Personally, for me, I, it's not that I won't go out of the house. I don't do that. But I definitely allow extra time for my journey and I do avoid doing certain things. I wouldn't launch anything with a Mercury retrograde. Um, I wouldn't plan in a big event. Um, Interesting. So when's the next one? Uh, September. So we've got a free summer. Ooh. Yeah, we've just had Mercury retrograde. Um so, yeah, I just feel um, it doesn't mean it's an absolute no no, but just mm. be aware. And you've got to really pay attention to the details. Yeah. Like there can be little, little mistakes happen. But the plus side, it's not all about the trickster energy. Mm. Actually, what it's designed to do, the, the, actual purpose of a Mercury retrograde is to get us to take some time out, take a bit of a breath and to start to see things differently. And often when things are cancelled or delayed during Mercury retrograde, we can revise our thinking about something and actually new information or a new angle can come in. We start to see it completely differently. And it turns out better than if we had just gone fast forward on the original plan. So it really can be a very creative time. And it also also I've noticed can be an amazing time for things from the past to come back because it's the planet of retrieval. It's a bit like the lost and found department, And, you know, you suddenly find this thing that you've been looking for, the missing piece of the jigsaw, whatever it is, you know, the bracelet you lost, or somebody gets back in touch with you or a project that seemed as if it was, you know, on the back burner comes back to life Mm. and suddenly seems very relevant.
2: Amazing. Mm. I love that. and I think it's so important to also show that there are positives to come from. Yes, there's positives to
1: everything. That's a very Mm. interesting point, Roxy, because I think, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of clients say to me when I'm talking about what's going on for them and they'll go, well, is it good or bad? And I'll go, well, hang on a minute. Let's just unpick this a little bit because nothing actually is entirely good or bad, but it's all about how we look at it. Mm. And often very good things seemingly in inverted commas turn out to have a backlash or they turn out to be Mm -hmm. disappointing. And sometimes the very worst things that happen to us, actually, with hindsight, we're so glad they happened because it would mean that we would never have experienced X, Y, and Z or learned something. So these challenges, it's a myth that everything all has to be absolutely good and lovely all the time. And and we all know real life isn't like that.
2: Yes. (laughs) No, that's exactly why I started this podcast, really, is to show people that it's often those times when we think everything's going wrong, that it is in fact all going right yeah um, and I'm totally and I think you know when I think about manifesting really so much of that it, you know I think it's a myth that it's about control really it's about surrender it's about yes. letting go and about yeah. allowing divine timing to happen in its own time and being able to ride the waves of the highs and the lows with greater ease Yes, and that's the magic of it really it's just being it able is to so magical life. and I think you know you've got such a great
1: perception and take on it Roxy because I think I think some people get very disappointed with the law of attraction and manifestation because they sort of think that what they would should be able to do is write down a list of what mm-hmm. they want, and then when it doesn't come, they're very upset and disappointed mm-hmm. and angry with the mm-hmm. universe. Like I've written this out, mm-hmm. and why isn't it here? But the universe isn't Amazon Prime, is it? No.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I love that. I love the idea of surrender. Oh my god! I feel like we're covering so much. I'm just like yeah, surrender is so
1: important, um, but it It has to be coupled also with intention Mm, and this idea of being able to make choices, Mm -hmm. but also aligning with divine time. You know, there is a mm-hmm. timing to things when the timing is right. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this a lot in my book, uh, The New One, What's Your Soul Sign, about kind of like the clash, really, between the ego and the soul, because mm-hmm. our egos can, um, you know, really keep us constantly in that state of wanting this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. as soon as we get that, then we want something else So mm-hmm. we never feel satisfied. But I think if we surrender to the soul and think more along the lines of, you know, well, you know, if the soul intended for this, it intended for this to happen, I am open, I'm in the right place, I surrender to divine timing. That's a better way than just coming from the ego, because this life is not all about attaining everything your little small ego wants, which actually tends to make us very unhappy mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And true happiness is when we're absolutely OK and we are surrendered. Mm-hmm. That is a kind of peaceful rather than being in this desire state of consciousness constantly wanting stuff, you know?
2: Yeah, mm. I, I could not agree more. And for me, over the last few months, I've been sinking so much into this peaceful place. Mm. Um, and really, it was like having this epiphany of just going, no, I don't want more, more, more. That yeah. isn't the answer. The a- Everything is here already. Absolutely. And it's such an incredible feeling. When isn't you, it wonderful yeah. that's the biggest gift
1: ever it really but we is. have to keep reminding ourselves yeah. because of course we get tripped back everybody each one of us mm-hmm. gets tripped back into you know we live in the western world and it's all this consumer society yeah. and it's so easy to think we'll be happier if we have x y or mm-hmm. z and yet um we all know i mean in my work i work with all sorts of different people um but i do have some extremely high net worth clients and you know i would say it does not guarantee any level of peace or happiness no no
2: no, definitely not (laughs) (laughs) um so i thought we could talk a little bit about soulmates yes um because often uh people will look let's say they get into a new relationship um I think one of the things that especially, and not to generalize, but us women will do is ask, what's your star sign? What's mine? And we want to, we go on Google and we try and see, are we compatible with our sign? So I want to ask a little bit about sign compatibility and then you know, this idea of soulmates. Mm. And is there one, is there more than one? Yeah. What is a soulmate? Yeah, um, a yeah cool, let's talk about this. fascinating topic, <laughs> isn't it? It's
1: fantastic. Well, compatibility, I think it's very interesting because compatibility is almost different from the idea of being a soul soulmate Mm. that's what i feel about it so compatibility astrological compatibility let's just break it down i mean technically the elements um if you are a fire sign which of course is aries leo sagittarius then you would be compatible with someone from your own element that's Mm -hmm. your tribe or from the element of air which is gemini libra and aquarius because air and fire kind of make hot air and they're full of ideas this is more the yang energy it's very extrovert it's people that want to do things together Mm. they spark each other up it's very bubbly combination so if you're a water sign cancer scorpio pisces obviously with each other is great or with earth which is taurus virgo capricorn now you can say well water and earth makes mud but actually um i look at it another way that earth is a really fantastic condition container for water mm. and it's very grounding and you know it's more of the yin energy um so they do they anchor each other and give kind of emotional meaning to each other's lives so in a in a very sort of basic level but that's almost like sun sign astrology horoscopes we were talking about earlier it doesn't always work because you know i am looking at the complete chart i'm looking and you know you might be a leo but you might have so many other planets in Virgo or, you know, there could be all sorts of mitigating factors, Mm. which mean that you're not really so much of a through and through true Leo as another person that has five planets in Leo, right? So you need to kind of go a little bit deeper. And... For instance, the moon is super important. And I talk a lot about this in my book in terms of the compatibility, because let's face it, especially in COVID, everyone's breaking up all over the place because they suddenly have to lock down with people and never had to be um, with someone for such extended periods of time. Mm. And the moon is what you're like at home ah so you know you can be very compatible with everyone if you're going out to restaurants all the time and you're out or you're you know mixing with everyone else get people home you want to make sure your moons are compatible
2: do you know that's so i always say to people because when people break up and they say in the beginning it was so good i said yeah of course it's good in the beginning you're going out you're on holidays you're of course it's good yes yeah. It's only later, like you say, when you ha- are at home and, and in that environment someone. that mm. you really understand what, how the relationship fits together. Yeah. Um, out of interest. Yes. Your moon
1: is in Scorpio and um, it's close to the big Scorpio ruling planet, which is Pluto. So you have a super intense Scorpio vibration to you, Roxy. So you can be a Leo out there in the world, but get you home. You know, you're more private, you actually have this private side to you and, you know, you like to be you have a sort of passionate connection to your home as well Mm -hmm. and you may not want all and sundry through the doors you know it's a very important space for you it's quite a sacred space for you um and you know that there's something much more sort of deep and meaningful about you when we get you home because you're so busy in the performing expressive world out there as a leo of course Mm. get you home and yeah you want to do the deep and meaningful um so yeah it's quite interesting so the moon is um really something you need to look at for compatibility so
2: would your score like let's say i'm a or whatever anyone's is so uh, let's say i'm a scorpio moon am i looking then for a compatible moon yes and it's a yes. sign. Yeah, that, that is ideal.
1: Um, but also don't forget opposites attract. Right. So um, your Taurus Moon person might be very nice for you. Um, The other thing in traditional astrology, we're getting complicated, but it's nice just to know little. Anyone can use this. (laughs) Anyone can can grab hold of this. Is that traditionally, if the man's um, sun and the woman's moon are opposite to each other, that is a very traditional indicator of compatibility. Mm. I'm, for instance, you know, Kate and William. Mm. um, So he's a sun sign, Cancer. She's a moon sign Cancer. She is a sun sign Capricorn with the moon in Cancer. She was born in a full moon opposite to his sun and moon in cancer that is a real double double whammy of the opposites attracting the cancer capricorn thing but also she has moon in cancer which resonates with his sun and moon in cancer do you see what i mean wow, what an yeah, amazing yeah. magnetic connection that is oh i love so, that so yeah um that can be like really amazing um so there's the moon and then you know for for communication obviously we'd look at mercury because I mean, it's really interesting you know we you know sometimes we like someone a lot but we you know We find that when we start talking to them, it's difficult to get through to them. And that might be because our mercuries are incompatible Mm. or we just don't really enjoy talking about the same things or it's about what we're interested in. Maybe we're not interested in in the same things. It's of no importance. Um, Mm. Then Venus, of course, it's super important for compatibility because Venus is the goddess of love. So she's not just about who we love, but everything that we love in life. So it's Mm. about our personal taste. Taste even. Um, it's about what we would choose to give someone as a gift, because for us, that's beautiful. It's about what looks beautiful to us. It's our aesthetics, our taste and um, how we give love as well. So I'm just looking for you, Roxy, you have Venus and Cancer. So um, that is a very Empathetic Venus. You like to take care of people. That's how you show your love. Yeah. Um, you know, you love to be really close. This is a real desire for intimacy. And with the moon in Scorpio, real desire for passion. But the moon in um sorry, the Venus in Cancer is about, you know, just adoring being a mother, for instance. You know, yeah. all that is sort of really ticked your box. Um, but um the Venus, obviously, we have to understand, well, where's the other person's Venus? Because, you know, people complain that you know, well you never buy me flowers, you never compliment me, but that person maybe has, you know, Venus in Aquarius, they don't care about that. They they're right. more about cerebral connection. Right. Okay. So understanding where that person's Venus is can help to um Help us to understand really where they're coming from and what makes them tick and what their driving force for love is, what their love attraction factor is, is what I call it in my book.
2: This is fascinating. (laughs) I had no idea about Venus or Mercury Mm. in terms of compatibility. Mm. So this is incredible. So if somebody wanted to go and find out where all their kind of moons and Venuses work. can they do they can can go to my website
1: debbiefrank.com slash chart you see and we can put in our partners yes put everything (laughs) in and um then you know obviously if you have my book you can look up and see exactly what all those different things mean (gasps) this is incredible you know so you can really see um instantly and that's how I've written it so that you can really see and get a handle on everything that I've studied and learned with amazing people over my entire career, decades of it, and all the clients I've worked with who have taught me more than anything. Oh God, Debbie, what an amazing. So, you know, I've been have. able to um, condense a lot of it and um, write things that are very meaningful, not just rubbish that you read yeah. you know this is really meaningful stuff that will resonate with you um so let's get on to the soulmate side because yes. you know obviously my book is about the soul sign so it's it's not just about you know the personality level it's very mm. interesting to understand our personality level but we want to understand our soul mm. um and soulmates what are they um and then people talk about twin flames you know what mm. are they um so a soulmate i think there is a lot of misconception about what a soulmate is you know as if there's only one person and then if we don't meet them that's it we've had it you know when actually I think a soulmate can also be I believe in soul tribes and soul Mm -hmm. connections of all sorts so I think we can be uh, definitely um, making soul connections with our friends obviously with our family between parents and children it's amazing can be um And if we're lucky, yeah, in love as well. Um, Now, the first chapter of my book, Unusually, talks about the nodes, which is a very little known area in the chart, the North Node and the South Node, which are always opposite to each other. So yours, um, Roxy, your North Node is in Aquarius, which means your South Node is in Leo, what are the notes? Well, kind of mathematically calculated points in time that are calculated from the moon. Um, so the diagram that you'll get when you get your chart done shows you where it is. And the north note is associated with why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing in this lifetime. The south note tells you what you've already got in your bank karmically from other incarnations. Right. And... I believe that these nodal connections they're called. Um, and they look like little headphones in the chart. When that touches another person's planets, then you know immediately that that is a soul connection, and you feel it. So I work a lot with these, and you know I see it time and time again. You can pick up people's charts, and you know if they do not have this soul connection with the nodes, then you know you might be very compatible on many levels, but you know it's not really going to go the distance, or it's not really got that sense about it where you know it's something just so deep and special.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: it's really really super interesting.
2: I had never heard of that before.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. Well, in Indian astrology they work a lot with that. It's called um Ketu and Rahu, these north nodes and south nodes. Um but yeah, I mean, there it is. It's there, there there, in plain sight and we can definitely look to see. And, you know, I've noticed through, you know, all the years and looking at all these charts at how important that really is. And that often we can be, we can feel a bit incompatible with someone because obviously there's going to be some areas that we don't get everything Mm. compatible. But if the soul connection is there, we understand that. We're like, yeah, that person, he drives me crazy, but I know we're meant to be together. It's that.
2: Oh, I love that. So you would need to have both charts read together to see that. Yeah, you'd
1: need to have, you'd need to know where that person's planets are, where their north nodes are, so you can see whether they connect with yours. But nearly always with people that have these long strong relationships um, the, this nodal connection is there and very very often between parents and children I've noticed oh, it's very very beautiful
2: that's amazing yeah oh, I love that <laughs> and I love um, the phrase you use soul tribes yes I think that's so beautiful and you're right there are just, we can have so many soul mates and their friends yes and children and... and I have a lot of soul sisters I call them my yeah. soul
1: sisters you know because you know that you just share on this level and there's this real love between you Mm. isn't there so finding your soul tribe is really important and I think I always encourage people to find their soul tribe which you know when you found them you know because you just feel completely at home
2: yeah Mm. I love that and what is a twin flame Well, a twin flame, again, is
1: often not met in any very rare, not met often in a lifetime. And it's your one and only through all incarnations. And, you know, um, I think it's something that um, I can't necessarily find. There isn't a a significator for it in the chart. I, I think we should be looking for the
2: soul connection right um because that way we can find it amazing oh my god debbie i honestly i feel like i could literally sit and talk to you all day it's (laughs) actually insane i feel there's so much i want to say but i'm gonna have to bring you back again Oh, because, because you are just incredible and i think that is so wonderful that people can come to the website they can get their charts yes, so they know where free. everything is that's yeah. amazing and then they can yeah. read all about it in the book I mean yeah. what an incredible gift to the world
1: yeah well I think for me I mean when I first had my chart done and in those days you know somebody had to do it for you um it was just so revelatory and um just such a big epiphany um to find out all these different parts of yourself mm. I mean I'm I'm very uh, very much water all the way through my my charts. Oh, really? and uh, yeah i don't have any air in my in my chart i'm all water scorpio cancer um with leo rising so yeah. Oh. So I'm the I'm very connected to you. So you're Leo with Scorpio. Yeah. And I'm, is that why we yeah. are? Yeah, I
2: love that. That's so yeah. nice because yeah. we really it is such a natural connection, isn't it? Yeah. Every time we speak, yeah. It's no, just like Well, oh, very good. That. That's it. Oh, Debbie, thank Lovely. you so well, so thank much. You, honestly, oh, my God, what an episode. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody would have absolutely loved listening to that. Now, has your Instagram handle changed? Yes. Yeah, so it's Debbie Frank Astrology. Literature. perfect yes that's on instagram and debbie frank.com debbie frank.com and the books what's your soul sign and written in the stars is your yeah, that's right your previous yeah. book yes um oh. thank you so thank much thank you debbie. so much i thank loved you. every second
1: hold
0: up